Hey goblins, a heads up that volume three of our annual one page dungeon collection is coming out soon. It's all the one page adventures we produced for Patreon in 2021, along with related monsters, items or traps. We'll also be releasing the individual dungeons from 2020's volume two on our digital store, goblins-and-growlers.itch.io. Got to do something about that URL. Follow us on Twitter at Goblins Growlers for the latest release notes and check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Goblins Growlers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fabulous episode of the Goblins and Growlers podcast. I'm Josh Maltby at Black Cloak DM on Twitter. I'm Brandon Dingus at Way of Brandalore on Twitter. And Josh, we got a guest today, don't we? Wait, we do? Where is he? Let me see him. I want to see him. There he is. Wait, who? <gasps> Who's your guest? Uh, no, I think it's Downs. I think it's you. Oh, it's me. Oh my god, I, I'm not. I'm not ready. Um, tell us about yourself, Noah. I, hi, my name is Noah Downs. Um, I'm a lawyer, but I'm a cool lawyer, and uh, I represent content creators, game developers, TTRPG players, goblins and growlers specifically, um, and not you, listening audience, unless I literally already do. What Do you want to just go ahead and get your disclaimer out of the way up front? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Okay, so guys, we're going to be talking about some legal stuff today, or illegal stuff as it may be. We'll see. Um, and uh, I want to make sure that I do a disclaimer for the listening audience. It's the first thing I got to knock out. So here you go. Legalese. Everything I'm saying today on today's podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be construed as direct legal advice. Your circumstances may always be different. You should always consult a lawyer. Uh, I am available for hire, but I, this does not create an attorney-client relationship between us. Uh, basically what I'm saying is take this legal advice and, uh, don't try it at home. Go to a friend's house. Fantastic. And you know, when we were getting ready to start this, I, I was, I knew when you introduced yourself, you're going to be like, well, I'm a lawyer, but I'm a cool lawyer because <laughs> two weeks ago, we basically spent a weekend together doing panels together. And I, had to, I had to listen to that over and over again. I'm a lawyer, but I'm a cool lawyer. You should have um, a, t you should have a branded t-shirt with that. Oh my God. I should. Yes. Yes. I'm oh, real quick, we'll do this. No credit. We'll do this at the end of the episode too. But where can people find you? Oh yeah, you can find me on Twitch, TikTok, and Twitter at my lawyer friend. Or you can find me on uh, Instagram at my dot lawyer friend. And I have a podcast that you should listen to called Forgotten Paths. But I'll talk about that at the end. All right, cool. And so today we're going to talk about OGL, not OGs, but OGL, the Open Gaming License. Um, Noah, do you want to give us a, a little bird's eye view? of uh the ogl yeah yeah of course and um first of all one of the things i wanted to ask is how much do each of you guys have with regards to knowledge about the ogl josh you want to you want to go first there very little to none i know that it's basically it's kind of like when you've got a more open source website where it's like yeah you got to credit the original creator of this code but you can kind of do your own thing with it as long as you're crediting the original creator but that's yeah. about the limit of my knowledge I know maybe just a little bit more than Josh because, you know, I handle a lot of the publication stuff uh, right. for, for GG. So I know Wizards has their sort of written OGL that you have to publish along with your stuff when you're doing it. I know that stuff in the, uh, the system uh, reference document is under OGL, and that's the stuff that you can pretty much just use as long as you give credit. But it, there's nuance to it, like, okay, so dragonborns and paladins 
are all in the OGL, but if there's a specific Dragonborn Paladin that like Watsi has created, you can't just use that person. Exactly. Yeah, that's what they consider product identity. And so, yeah, you guys, you, you, you well, Brandon, you nailed it. Um, uh, Josh, thanks for thanks for being here. Um, <laughs> uh, so the OGL uh, or Open Gaming License, but we're going to call it the OGL is a public copyright license that is uh, from Wizards of the Coast that may be used by tabletop role-playing game developers to grant permission to others to modify, copy, and redistribute some of the copy, uh, some of the content that they design for their games, including game mechanics. So basically, it is Wizards' way of saying, okay, we know that y'all are going to make adventures for D&D, and you're going to want to share them with the world, and that's good for our marketing. Here is what is available under the OGL. This is what is available to use in your published adventures. Go have fun. And uh, it allows people to make effectively derivative works and publish adventures. Now, what is included under the OGL is not every single thing that Wizards has put out for any edition. Um, More recently, obviously, 5e is what we're talking about now. Uh, But the... It doesn't include everything. It, specifically, as as Brandon mentioned, it doesn't include specific characters. Um, it doesn't include certain uh, uh, like iconic monsters. For example, the Beholder is not part of the OGL, so you can't use a Beholder in your published campaigns. The Forgotten Realms, as an entire realm, is not part of the OGL. You can't use that stuff in your published campaigns. Um, but what you can use are game mechanics, certain races and classes, certain features, base stuff um now what's interesting is wizards when they published the ogl and the system reference document in 2016 they they noticed that a lot of folks were saying but wait i want to use these subclasses oh no i want to publish these things and no real quick can you just describe the system reference document for folks who not may not be 100 percent on what that is yes yes excellent so the syst- the 5e system reference document or 5e srd as it's more commonly referred to is a document that basically says this is what is in the ogl everything that's in here is f- fair game go nuts and it, it's a long document. It's like a hundred or so pages, um, I think, maybe even longer. Um, yeah, it's 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 much longer than that, if I recall, because I had yeah. the whole PDF for a while. That's the SRD is something that I have recommended. If people have come to me and been like, "Oh, hey, you know, my kid's really interested in getting into D and D, but I don't want to drop like a hundred dollars, three hundred dollars on books for them to just drop it." I was like, "Well, just you know, download the SRD and give it to them, and then if they like that, then you can get them the actual stuff because that's all you need to play." Yeah, the SRD is how I I got reintroduced to 5e, actually. So For those of you following along at home, the entire SRD is online, 5esrd.org. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. So uh, effectively, the OGL uses the SRD. So the OGL is the license that says anything in the SRD is uh, fair game for you to use, as long as you're not reselling or redistributing for profit, that kind of stuff. and uh, however, it allows publishers of adventures, which you know can be um, uh, can be occasionally used for profit, depending on how you do it. But basically, the sorry, I just gave a lot of conflicting advice. The OGL uses the SRD. Uh, if you are trying to publish D and D related content, the SRD is your bible, and the OGL is what tells you how to use it. That is the simplest form. 
However, Wizard said, well, you know, if you really want to do more, we also have this thing called DMs Guild, which is their website by which you can actually license even more content. And it's also a storefront where you can sell your adventures that include things that aren't in the SRD. And you can submit for print on demand and other kind of stuff like that. So the OGL is, you know, it's anyone's game. DMs Guild is, this is the cream of the crop. You can submit for inclusion there as well. And digging a little bit into the contents of the SRD and, you know, what is and what isn't available, you know, you're talking about things like the iconic monsters, like a Beholder not being right. in, in there and people being unable to use them. Where where does uh, the law land on, because I, I use the 5, 5e SRD website sometimes, which is not the PDF, but it's uh, sort of a wiki site that's been set up for that. I and mean, right. there's various like homebrew categories in there too. And people have, there's a whole section for derivative monsters that like, oh, well, I can't use the beholder in my adventure. So here's the eye stalker that has a bunch of eyes on stalks growing out of it, but it's totally not a beholder. Yeah, that's what we call a derivative work. And if you use that or if you create that quote unquote derivative work, you're still infringing. So it doesn't help if you rename it, reskin it, whatever. If what you're doing is based on a beholder and it looks like a beholder, if it looks like a beholder, smells like a beholder and sounds like a beholder, it's a beholder. If it, you know, it, it, it might just be a zombie beholder, but it's still a beholder. So if I'm writing something mm -hmm. and I want to publish it, you know, what what steps do I need to take to be compliant with the open gaming license? Well, what I would recommend, uh, uh, keeping in mind, this isn't legal advice. This is just practical advice is figure out what's in the SRD. What can you use? That way you're not accidentally including a key important part of your adventure that you can't publish. Mm -hmm. um, and so you would, first of all, figure out what's in the SRD, write your campaign, and then go through and double check to make sure that everything you've included is in the SRD. And then with your published materials, you need to identify this is published in accordance with the OGL. And there's a specific disclaimer you can use. You can include a link to the OGL, which is actually a, just a two-page document. Um, and uh, that will let everybody else know, okay, this is OGL content. This is um, my, this is derivative content based on the SRD and open gaming license. That's great. In addition, what you need to identify is items that you have come up solely for your campaign that you want to own. For example, if I am writing a, a campaign that I'm going to publish under the open gaming license using the SRD materials, and I create uh, a paladin that goes by the name of, I don't know, what's around me? Download. Download the paladin. Um, it's literally just a sticker that's on my... Uh, it sounds like you're playing right Shadowrun. <laughs> Download the paladin. Uh, it's No, that's Raid Shadow Legends. Um, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> So uh, if I'm playing Download the Paladin uh, and I want to protect that Paladin and the name Download and all his characteristics that I put so much time into, then I would say Download the Paladin is product identity. It is something that I have created specifically for my campaign and nobody else can use it in their published materials. They can use it when they run the adventure, but they can't use it in their published materials. Now, the product identity is something that uh, Wizards has included in the OGL to give end users, so people that are creating content under the OGL, 
a way to still protect their work. So essentially, there's in any in any uh, adventure that is published under the OGL, there is two types of content. There's the open gaming content, which is content that is created in accordance with the SRD. And then you have product identity, which is, you know, names, uh, logos, identifying marks, artifacts, anything that's that's in that is of the writer's own creation that they want to protect. And if someone else comes out and they publish uh, an adventure that uses somebody else's product identity, then that's a breach of the open gaming license. So it gives Wizards gives the end user a way to protect their own content, which is kind of neat. So if I publish something under OGL, but specifically say like, hey, this thing is mine, and then somebody else publishes that, not only are they having an issue with me and my intellectual property, but they've also breached the agreement with Wizards. Exactly. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I thought, you know, I mean, Wizards be Wizards, so I figured they were just looking out for themselves. Yeah, no. <laughs> It's it's a breach of the licensing agreement too, so it's 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 a it's pretty significant. It's kind of neat. Um, that said, I'm not aware, uh, and I haven't directly handled any um, uh, product identity cases um, that have gained national or public or public attention at least. And so, it is, you know, you have these rights. It's important to know, and if you feel like you need to exercise them, hit a lawyer up. Um, I would actually love to be one of the first lawyers to really kind of dive into that kind of product identity case. I'd love to do that. That'd be so much fun. I mean, mm-hmm. Goblins of Growlers will at some point be big enough for that kind of attention. You know, just just oh. give us time. Just give us time. Oh, yeah. OK. OK. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> no, G&G actually, you know, I, I'm taking a second, you know, off off topic. G&G, y'all are y'all are doing an incredible job with what you do. And you've gained a lot of national respect. So. Uh, and international respect. So keep on going, guys. Oh, thanks, Doug. We'll definitely have to have you back talking like that. <laughs> oh, good. I did my job. Um, yeah. Hey, I've got a, I've got sort of a related question to everything we're talking about. So let me figure out how to phrase this. You know, there are idiots on YouTube uh, who right. will post like clips of movies and stuff. And they're like, ah, fair. You know, In the comments, they'll be like, you can't prosecute me because this is fair use for educational purposes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What's the line on that kind of thing? Um, you know, like it, like, let's say, for example, I wanted to teach D&D to a group of children, and I thought the best way to do that would be to run Lost Minds of Fandelver uh, for them to teach them the mechanics. But I was charging for my time like 20 bucks a kid uh, mm-hmm. for that. Now, you know, I'm using Wizards uh, content for that, and I'm making a profit off of it, but it's like would the fact that it was like educational fall under fair use or does me getting 20 bucks from that per child like completely quash that argument or is that argument garbage to begin with? So you've said the word that triggers every lawyer that knows anything about intellectual property. And that word is fair use. I am, I I need a second to breathe and then I'll answer. (laughs) Um, Doing your friend Sanford over there. This is a big one, Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) So fair use First of all, is this an explicit show? Am I allowed to curse on here? Yeah, it's fine. All if, right, cool. we're, if Josh and I have a discussion about it later, I'll bleep it. We, okay. we try to keep PG-13-ish. So all right, then. I think you'll be fine. So that uh, means you get one F-bomb. <laughs> okay, good. Um, Brandon, go ahead and mark this down in the show notes for your, for your editing later. Uh-huh. Uh, fair use is f- bullshit. Okay. And 16 he- minutes, everybody. 16 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> 
Um, it is fair use is technically something that you can use as a defense if you get sued. Anyone that is relying on fair use in order to publish content uh, is either very rich or very misguided. Because the minute that someone relies on fair use, then uh, they are saying, I am willing to get sued and go in front of a judge and argue that this is something that I have a right to use. You're admitting at its very core that what you're doing is infringing. Because like I said, fair use is a defense. You're saying, yes, I'm infringing on copyright, but it should be fair for me to use this stuff. Mm-hmm. For educational purposes, making it a derivative work, making sure that it's transformative enough, saying that you're not using a substantial part, saying that you're not re- replacing the value of the product online or in, or in its intended market are just a few things. So in order to claim fair use, you one have to go through the demand letter process where you get very angry letters from people like me and we can be scary. Then you have to get sued by those people when you don't listen to them. And then you have to defend yourself in court and get to the point where you're in front of a judge, which can take years and cost tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then you get in front of a judge who might not know very much about Wizards of the Coast and or might have, you know, come up in the satanic panic time and hate everybody in the room. And they would uh, have to figure out, okay, this is an old antiquated law. Is what this person is doing fair use. And usually nine out of 10 times, they're going to say it's not. So that at that point, you spent $100,000, two years of your life, and you're staring down the barrel of up to millions in damages. So don't use fair use unless as, you have a very good lawyer. Only only a slight digression, but um, is that essentially sort of the path that was taken with the happy birthday song and the litigation that went on for that yeah you can see this with the happy birthday song you can see this with um under pressure you can see this with uh you can see this with all like everywhere a guy Um, i used to work with would joke about the under pressure lawsuit all the time he did a really crappy vanilla ice impression and it was like no 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 mine goes dun 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 oh my god dun 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 yeah that's for for folks who aren't like terribly familiar like you know happy birthday the traditional song like somebody claimed that they owned the copyright to that for a long time so whenever you would watch tv or see a movie or something and they were celebrating a birthday they would have to come up with this bizarre analog and pretend like it was birthday yeah and they would have to pretend like it was normal in that universe Uh, I remember one time seeing a clip where Wendy Williams is like, I paid $70,000 for us to be able to use the happy birthday song on television today. That's amazing. But then somebody finally like got it to court. And if I like from the last thing I remember is like, that's been settled now and you can use that song, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been settled. I'm not going to give the advice that you can use it. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, the the answer is out there, folks. Feel free to Google through it because this one I actually comfortable people can Google. Okay, yeah, I uh, I didn't mean to digress on that, but you said that and that got me thinking about. No, it's that. good. No. Actually, actually, it's something that I've been throwing around some terms that we should probably dive into real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, just to recap so far, we've talked about the open gaming license and the SRD. The open gaming license being the actual key to using the published materials in the SRD. Um, but one terms that I've used are trademark and copyright that uh, are basic intellectual property terms that people need to understand because they're uh, sometimes people confuse them. Trademarks are source identifiers. 
So it is a brand. For example, Goblins and Growlers is a trademark of your company. Uh, it identifies the source of goods or services. McDonald's is the trademark identifying the source of terrible burgers, that kind of thing. Uh, it has certain quality, goodwill associated with it. It's an internationally recognized brand. I'm talking about both Goblins and McDonald's now, by the way. Um, and, we do have uh, terrible burgers. Exactly. Um, and uh, and it's it's a protectable name and, and logos associated with it. Copyright is... Uh, expression. It's artistic expression. So anything that's fixed in a tangible medium of expression can be copyrighted. Um, essentially, what that means is if I draw a smiley face on a sticky note, I've got a copyrightable smiley face. It's pretty great. Um, think about uh, copyright as the content that you can protect and trademark as the, the name uh, identifying where the content comes from for these purposes. That is the basics of trademark and copyright. Under the open gaming license, you get a license to use certain copyrighted and copyrightable materials from wizards in the form of the SRD. What you don't get is the right to use Wizards of the Coast trademarks on your stuff. You can't say, this is based on Wizards of the Coast Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. You can't use a fifth uh, D&D logo. You can't do any of that on your on your content. You can say that's why that's why you'll see people out here publishing stuff under OGL and under uh, uh, the SRD saying based on the world's most famous tabletop role playing game. <laughs> It's very yeah. similar to since this is coming out soon. This is very similar to why people can't say Super Bowl. Um, the big game. It's the big game. Yeah, it's like, I I worked in newspapers for many years, and it was always interesting how we would on the news side we'd be able to refer to it as the Super Bowl in stories. Yeah, but then when advertising was doing their push for stuff, it was always these big full page ads for the big game on Sunday. The big game on Sunday. The large container. The superb <laughs> owl. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, these are all fun things that are quirks of copyright and trademark law. So that is trademarks and that's copyrights. Um, uh, just want to make sure we had a yeah. base thing to go yeah. for. Before we so, move on for that. Oh, Josh, go ahead. Go ahead. To, to recap, uh, for McDonald's, McDonald's mm -hmm. is the trademark. The Big Mac is the copyright. No, the no? Big Mac, the name, the Big Mac is actually a trademark. What? Yeah. No, McDonald's it's the, it's actually the big sandwich well, on the, Sunday. The, the recipe. On Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> the recipe for the Big Mac is the copyright then. Uh McDonald's is a really bad uh, example for okay. figuring out copyright. Goblins, Goblins and Growlers. Goblins and Growlers is the trademark. Yes. And then if we create a character or a specific adventure setting, that is the copyright. Right. Because it's the exactly. material we're creating. Yes, so when you're looking at a Goblins and it's a one-page adventure, at the top, it'll say Goblins and Growlers. And then below it, it'll have the adventure. The top, Goblins and Growlers, trademark. The adventure, copyright. Let me ask you a question about copyright, because I remember when I was a kid, they would always say, like, if you create something, put it in an envelope and mail it to yourself. Nope. So you can have proof. Like, that's BS, right? No, that's, that is 100% BS. Um. So uh, uh, it is it is important to remember the dates but under which you created something, um, but you do not have a what they used to call a poor person's copyright by mailing something to yourself. Mm -hmm. um, it is it is useful, I guess, for trying to identify 
identify like when you created something like having a postage stamp. But beyond that, it, you know, you still need to register with the copyright office to even sue. So what about I've also heard people say like, well, you don't like once you create something, you have a right to that. Like that's protected. Like you don't even have to do anything for it. I've yeah, heard that's people say true. OK, how does um, that work? So when you create a so you can have copyrightable and trademarkable rights that you have not enforced yet. So uh, you can have uh, like if I draw that smiley face and I, you know, then I see somebody go off and rip off my smiley face. They put it on a T-shirt or something. Uh, it's, and I can prove that's a direct copy that they had access to my smiley face, etc. Um, then. Then even if I haven't filed a copyright, I can still send them an angry letter. Um, and then if I need to sue them, then I need to file my copyright. Uh, similarly with trademark, you know, even if, if my trademark's pending or if I've been filed for it, I have trademarkable rights in something because in the United States, trademark is a first to use, not a first to file system. So the minute you use it, you have trademarkable rights. And so if goblins and growlers can say, yes, I've been using G and G since when did you guys found and start using the name? 2018. Yeah. So if you guys, you guys could say, uh, since Blankety blank date in 2018, we've had trademarkable rights in the Goblins and Growlers moniker. Um, that is, that is, you know, rights. Now, obviously, we'd want to file for a trademark to actually protect it because, you know, f- even if it's first to use, not first to file, there's benefits to filing first. <laughs> but uh, if somebody else filed for Goblins and Growlers, say in like Indiana or, or Tuscaloosa or something like that, um, that's a state and a city, but whatever. Um, then you would uh, you would still have superior rights. We just need to enforce them a little bit differently. What about abandoned trademarks? Yeah, so abandoned trademarks, if you're looking up trademarks on the trademark database, for example, if you guys see that the Wizards has abandoned something on the trademark database, mm-hmm. then that doesn't mean that you can use it. That means you should consult a lawyer because it might just be a filing error and they can revive it. And it doesn't mean that they have given up their trademark rights. It just means that somebody has stopped some something wasn't filed, and so the trademark office is um, not publicly stating that they they have the rights. They don't have the seal of approval at that time. Doesn't mean that they don't have the rights there. So the patent and trademark office can like look at that and they'll give you like grace in case maybe something fell through the cracks. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain amount of time where you can revive a trademark application or fix a, a an abandoned uh, or a dead trademark, as we call them, if you've uh, mm-hmm. failed to file certain upkeep documents. Um, but that does not mean that the minute that something falls out, that you can use it. Um, so there's there's been a lot of abandoned and um, dead marks over the years that later get revived and tacked on. So mm-hmm. at you know the tabletop role playing game space in in sort of the span of um, history is is relatively new only going back to like the 70s yeah so that's probably this is what i'm about to talk about is probably not super relevant to this but um you know public domain now is what like life of the author plus 70 or is it plus 90 now it it depends on the work and whether it was published or unpublished but yeah you can generally say 70 or 90 around there okay yeah so uh, i know there are a lot of um like for example, old comic book characters from like the the 30s um, that never had their um, like copyrights, I guess, extended or anything like that. They were right. abandoned. So I can get on the public domain database and just like that kind of stuff is just 100% free to use. 
Not necessarily. Okay. Um, it, it, this is a fun topic. So everybody's chatting right now about how Winnie the Pooh just went into public domain. The character went into public domain. Disney's version is still very much, uh, is still very much. If you create a Winnie the Pooh piece of content, he better be wearing pants and maybe a blue shirt. Yeah, pants and <laughs> and like I, I've seen people joke about how they want to do like a Winnie the Pooh that's just like a terrifying real life grizzly, like. <laughs> Uh, just like spiked hair, like blood matted around his mouth and stuff like that from eating like animals. Cause that's what bears actually eat. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm a hundred percent in support of this. <laughs> um, I want to pull it back just a little bit to some stuff we had been talking about before, like, um, public games and things like that. So yeah. we, you know, out of an abundance of caution and just because we're creative people, when we started running public games, we're like, well, we're just going to write all of our own content Smart. Uh, uh, because a, we don't want to get in trouble. B, we don't want somebody showing up to a game and having to sit through like an adventure that maybe they've already played or something like that. Right. So, I mean, adventurers path sort of exists as the official conduit through which to publicly play, you know, wizards of the coast content. I'm guessing that it would not be a good idea for, let's say, somebody to start Snoblins and Snrowlers and run official Watsy modules in public spaces for pay. That would be a problem. Okay. Um, it, it, that would be a problem. Now, there's nothing wrong with, you know, uh, somebody buying Strahd and, you know, playing it at home for friends. Um, that is the intended use. But the minute you, you buy something and start running it for someone else, um, you run into potential issues. Now, there's ways to do it. You can get licenses. You can request them. You can. There's certain public things they've said. Though you can use this. You can't use this. That kind of stuff. Um, and I, I, it's so numerous that I, I hesitate to even try and delineate it here on the podcast. But you can use it at home, like Strahd. But the minute you start doing it in, say, One-Eyed Jocks or something like that, you have a problem. One-Eyed Jocks being a Richmond local comic book favorite. I just realized that we're on a podcast that's distributed internationally. So um. <laughs> for those listening in Richmond, I will mention another great comics and gaming shop in Richmond is Alpha yep. Comics and Games. There you go. <laughs> Conveniently located in Willow Lawn, Richmond, Virginia. I was going to say regarding the uh, use for pay and as opposed to using for home, it's like movies, right? Like you can take a movie home and bring over as many friends as you want and watch it. But the instant you start charging $5 a head, you have a licensing problem because that's you need to be paying the same kind of fees that theaters are paying to get the license to redistribute or show. You've you've run into the same problem that every fraternity in the United States has run into. Um, (laughs) uh, You cannot. Yeah, you need to. You can't do fraternity fundraisers by doing that kind of stuff. So. Um, but yeah, no, you are, you are a okay to, uh, watch it at home with friends. Don't charge for it. You can't even say, Hey, bring chips, wink, wink. Um, and then the <laughs> chips is just like a bag full of money. Um, like, <laughs> like air fried dollars. Um, and, uh, which would be hilarious. Oh man, I know what I'm going to do for my D and D campaign. Um, so, but, uh, but yeah, no, so y- you, you need to use it for the use intended. So um, as we sort of start to wind down on the discussion, I want to bring it back around to talking about like uh, open gaming license and compliance and stuff like that. So to be compl- like if I'm publishing a book 
with my own content right. under OGL. You know, I have to publish the license mm-hmm. uh, in there. Um, I have to make a list of the stuff that I want to retain that I've created originally. Like, what else do I want to do? Uh, Aside from consult a lawyer, we'll just yeah. say that goes without saying. The answer is consult a lawyer. <laughs> so, so to recap, um, you run me through what you've already done again. Um, I've published, like, I've set aside space to publish the actual text of the license. Right. I've set aside space to call out specific stuff that I've created originally for this that I want to retain. Yeah. Yeah. What else do I need to do to help cover my bases? Uh, Publish it. Okay. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, No, that's, that's not it. Um, You know, honestly uh, there's, there's a lot Um, you want to, I could, if you're trying to go for a specific thing, um, go ahead and nail it and I'll dive into it. But like uh, there is, you need to uh, triple check everything, make sure you're good. Um, and uh, <laughs> make sure you're good. And then uh, what what specifically are you going for? I, I mean, I'm not looking for anything specific. I guess I'm just thinking like broad strokes, like, hey, if you're going to do this, here's some bullet points you need to pay attention to. Maybe yeah. not 100% like this is going to protect you in every situation, but like, you know, keep an eye out. Yeah, check your marketing. Um, make sure you're not using trademarks and logos of Wizards of the Coast. And that includes mm-hmm. the name D and D. That includes the the ampersand uh, mm-hmm. and or any variation of it. Don't get cute. The minute you get cute, you get sued. Uh, Let me. Uh, you know, here's a here's a question. Um, you know, we talked about you know the Bible for all of this is the SRD, and you should really 100% be going by that. Uh, for what you can include, is there any kind of exclusionary list out there of stuff you definitely cannot include? Uh, to my knowledge, no. I usually work within the SRD um, and say I look for the inclusive portions of it. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a resource potentially? No, that's why I was asking. We should make one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that'd be really useful, especially because uh you flipping through the SRD, there are a lot of monsters in there. And I mean, a lot of monsters. So it's hard to say like, oh, well, maybe beholders uh, are in there and I just missed them. <laughs> At which point you're in trouble. So the TLDR here is when you're trying to create something you want to publish and, and distribute for sale or, you know, distribute for free, whatever it is. And by the way, when it comes to commercial use, it doesn't matter if you're distributing it for sale or for free. It's 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 still use. So be careful there. You need to one, check your homework. Make sure that you have identified everything in the SRD. You're not using anything that's not in the SRD, and that your adventure abides by it. Make sure you're not using anybody else's product identity. Make sure you include a copy of the OGL at the end or beginning of your your adventure. Make sure you're not including wizards trademarks or logos or anything that is, you know, specifically excluded in the in the trademark realm. Uh, and then make sure you identify your own product identity if you want to specifically protect anything in your adventure that's not part of the SRD. Now, you were asking about the the what uh, if there's a list of things that are excluded, and I would say that that would be a really good marketing tool. Or really good, something to create for somebody. If uh, anyone was interested, wink, wink. Goblins and growlers, wink, mm-hmm. wink. 
So <laughs> wink, um, wink. There's wink, so wink. only so much time in the day. Wink, wink. Only so much time in the day. Uh, but make time. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of, I need to make time to create a create some product identity, or actually a character for my D and D podcast recording tomorrow, which is a nice segue into <laughs> fan content policy. Go for it. Yeah. So you may be listening to this whole thing and be like, "Man, they're talking about publishing adventures." I'm here to know if I can do my own D&D podcast. I want to know if I can do my D&D fan art. I want to, I want to know if I can do all this fun stuff. And the answer is you can't. Um, Wizards has a fan content policy uh, that they published in November of 2017. And uh, basically it's Wizards stroking their community's ego and say, we love your creativity and engagement. Um, and we love that you create and share fan content. Um, and here's the rules that you can do it with. You might be wondering, how did like the, the Quid Pro Roll podcast, how did they publish content without a paid license? Because you guys definitely use a lot of D&D stuff and not all of it's in the SRD. <laughs> the, and also you might ask how other places, people like Adventure Zone have got started. Now they have an official relationship, but Adventure Zone got started, that kind of stuff. It's because they follow Wizards fan content policy, which you can honestly Google. It's on the Wizards website. Um, they have several rules. I'm just going to dive into it. First of all, the content you put out must be free. If you are producing and releasing a podcast, it can't be behind a paywall, can't be on Patreon only or something like that. Um, Wizards has to be able to get to it without paying. Or, or uh, you can't actually even require email registration. You have to be able just to click it and go. Uh, that includes if you're streaming it on Twitch, you can't put behind a subscribers only wall or something like that. Um, you can't uh, sell it to uh, third parties for compensation. So like if I'm doing a D&D podcast, I can't sell it to Spotify uh, for payment. I need to get sponsorships, which they do allow. Um, you're allowed to get sponsorships um, and you're allowed to monetize, but you just can't sell the content. Um, and you guys feel free to chime in with questions anytime you like. Otherwise, I'm going to dive through these rules. Yeah, I was actually going to jump in real quick because I was curious. What if you have your actual play adventure podcast that's mm -hmm. running and then you open up a Patreon and you put bonus audio content on that Patreon? Do you still have to, like, can it not be the game? Do you have to, like, oh, well, uh, this is a different thing where we're not playing the game anymore. We're, we're just having a material. conversation around a table. Yeah, if you're having a conversation around a table, that's fine, as long as it's not, as it's not using Wizards intellectual property. Um, but if it is on Patreon and it's available only to Patreon people, then you can't put it behind a paywall. You can release it for free on Patreon and then have paid content on your Patreon, which can include stuff that you've released under the OGL. But you cannot put D&D uh, &D IP, audio fan content IP behind a paywall. Um, and also, when you do release it, you got to tell your community that it's unofficial. This is not official uh, Wizards of the Coasting. It's not approved or endorsed by Wizards. This is unofficial fan content. Um, also, they have the same stuff of you can't use their trademarks and whatnot, just like you see in the OGL. Um, also, don't put in bad stuff, stuff that we would typically like um, call a content warning. Mm -hmm. 
can't go in this kind of stuff. Um, uh, there's certain exceptions like murder and treason, uh, but Wizards is not going to endorse anything else. Um, yeah, so that is that is the key. That is know how you if, release uh, fan content. Do you know if other publishers, not just Wizards, have sort of similar arrangements, both with yes. like fan content policies and with uh, OGL type things? Because like Pathfinder grew out of the 3.5 OGL, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, and they've got their own, um, you know, their own now. Yeah, they do. Um, uh, you know, that that grew the, the OGL content. Uh, every Most systems do. In fact, I'm looking up right now if Monster of the Week does because I'm confident they do. Um, uh, but, uh, most systems do have a fan content policy or some sort of open gaming license because that's how you grow your fan base. Um, and especially in a digital media and internet world, because if you're, in, you're putting yourself into the niche of, I'm only going to work here, then people are going to interact with it, but nobody's going to see it in this, in this content driven world that we live in. I say as we're on a content-driven podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so that's 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 the fan content. Um and and so basically you can create your D&D podcast, release it as long as you follow the rules under the fan content license. I think it's really interesting that uh, those kind of things have evolved now to the point where Critical Role, which mm-hmm. started as a fan content podcast, now has its own fan content policy that nobody likes. <laughs> And uh, Critical Role's fan content policy is uh, that's why I'm glad like that certain things of Critical Role were actually picked up by Watsy, mm-hmm. uh, so that all of a sudden now it's under Watsy's policies <laughs> and not Critical Role's. Because I'm not, I don't want to crap on Critical Role, although I feel like every time I talk to you guys, I do somehow. <laughs> um, but uh, but their fan content policy is is not as nice. Yeah, I'll I'll be the first to admit I have not read through it because I actually don't listen to Critical Role, not because I have anything against it. It's just like episodes are like three and four hours long and ain't nobody you got hear time it here for that. first. Brandon hates Critical Role. Slander. Slander. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to call my lawyer about this. Um, But, you know, I haven't read the specifics of it, but. I felt like the community reaction to that, and I know we're sort of getting a little sort of uh, orthogonal to our topic, but uh, the community reaction to that seemed to be less about this is a restrictive policy and more about, hey, we didn't used to have a policy at all. You guys are selling out. Yeah. A little bit, but that's how they made millions of dollars just on Twitch alone over the last two years. So yeah, you know, good for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean that sincerely. Good for them. Like if yeah. you can monetize something like that, great. And and big shout out to to uh, Zach Lemubank who um, helped them get on Twitch to begin with. Now over at Hyper RPG, great guy. All right. Well, no. Do you have any sort of closing thoughts for our uh, copyright trademark policy discussion? Yeah, you know, honestly, if you got questions or if you're like, huh, I'm not sure. I'm going to wing it. Don't get a lawyer. You know, lawyers aren't scary. I'm not scary, at least. Um, or at least I like to think I'm not. Um, and just talk to somebody. If you want to do something, make sure that you're following the rules to do it. Because even if you're releasing it for free, getting smacked down by the gods that are Watsi is not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, it's much easier to talk to a lawyer on the front end when you know you're anticipating releasing something than on the back end when you're staring down the barrel of a a lawsuit gun 
And if somebody needs to talk to a lawyer, how can they uh, get a hold of you to perhaps contract your professional services? Oh, hey, yeah, no. Uh, so I, again, my name's Noah Downs. I work at the law firm of Premac Rogers PC. We are, as as the, the folks say, quote unquote, in industry. So we understand what's going on here. We're not just random lawyers from nowhere that like, oh, what's a dungeon and dragon? Yeah, you're uh, not with Alan, 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 and Alan. Alan, Alan, <laughs> etc. Um, <laughs> and, no, and uh, you can follow me on on Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok. You can get a hold of me on those platforms as well at my lawyer friend. You can email me. My emails in my Twitter bio, um, and I'm I'm always available and happy to talk to people. Uh, I set up free consults, and then you know you're not going to get charged for the initial consult because I won't be giving you legal advice. I'll be you know finding out more about you and figuring out your problem and what I can do to help. Um, and so that that talk to a lawyer. <laughs> Good God, just talk to a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh, I, I feel like there's something else you probably want to mention. I can't quite oh. put my finger on it. Well, you know, all this talk about fan content, you know, really makes me makes me think that I should probably talk about my own fan content. Um, uh, I have uh, have been recording and have started releasing uh, a, a live play podcast called Forgotten Paths. It is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever whatever podcatcher you use. Um, it is an amnesia campaign, which we should probably record an episode about what an amnesia campaign is at some point, where my players don't have any memory of who they are and they're filling out their blank character sheets as they go along. It's released um, every Monday. We've recorded eight episodes. It's digestible one hour episodes. It's so much fun. We're having a great time. I'd really love it. If you go and download, give it five star reviews, write a nice little review. You can listen to it if you want to. Uh, I'd really like it, but uh, you know, it's, you can find it on Twitter at paths underscore forgotten, or just search forgotten paths and uh, the relevant podcatcher platform and in fact actually i have another podcast called allegedly with my friend sam um that you can if you like this kind of content we talk about content creation and law all the time so check it out all right well uh how about we bring you back again and we'll talk about your podcast a little bit more and just amnesia campaigns in general oh yeah let's do that i'm 100 down all right all right well everybody thanks for tuning in this time uh i'm brandon at way of brandalore on twitter i'm josh at black cloak dm on twitter All right, we'll talk to you all later. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our conversation with Noah, then please tell a friend about the podcast and or give us a review. We appreciate it and good night. Oh, and a special bonus for anybody who's still listening. After the last episode where we talked about The End, the Christian Apocalypse role-playing game, the author, the original author, Joe Donka, actually reached out to us. Uh, He listened to the episode. He got a real kick out of it. And we've set up a time to talk to him in a couple weeks. So y'all can be expecting that interview episode coming out soon. Ended up not being as much of a mystery as uh, I thought it was going to be since he just ended up saying, oh, hey, uh, how you doing? But uh, I'm thrilled nonetheless. Josh is too, and we're looking forward to talking to Mr. Donka.